So I'm going to ask each of these folks uh, to introduce themselves, give a little background on who they are. And yeah, so go ahead and turn your mics on so that people can hear you. And I'll start with Al Pinto. I'm Al Pinto. I've been here at FBC for 10 years and have been saved for 10 years. Before that, uh, practicing Catholic. Pre-star, I guess they call it Christmas and Easter, right? So uh, the uh, my career I've had, I retire, I'm ret currently retired, 28 years in public safety, sheriff's office down in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, that's where a lot of my stories will probably stem from. And currently here in Winchester area, I'm with the sheriff's office here in Frederick County in the courts and up at LFCC doing a little bit of uh, workforce solutions work up there with, with the school. And uh, family, I've got three young men. The oldest is 24 today. Then uh, we've got a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. Um, and that's our gist. We just bought a farm, so we're trying farm. They now. bought the yeah, farm. We bought the farm. <laughs> uh, and, and this just excites me, what we're talking about tonight. Um, I've got a heart for it. It just it stirs me up, and there's a little piece of scripture, which Kyle let me read, that uh, I think just no. describes it perfectly. Anyway. Deborah? I'm Deborah Matthews, and I've been attending FBC for 18 years. This is my 18th year. Um, I'm a realtor at ERA Oakcrest. I've been a realtor for almost 20 years now, and I have three children. been married for 21 years, and my three kids are 18, if I can remember, almost 19, <laughs> 15, and 13. And um, I love talking about God. It's my favorite topic of all. I mean, I like real estate and all, but <laughs> um, Jim? I'm Jim Annabelle. We just moved back here after being in Texas for a couple of years. Uh, I work for American Airlines. I'm a pilot. Got five kids, one who just got married and on Saturday. And I've got uh, four grandkids. And uh, my wife, Terry, many of you know, she's at home. The lovely and vivacious Terry. So, hello, I'm Michael. I'm the only one up here that used to attend FBC and no longer does. Uh, not for any reason that I don't like this church. I love it. Um, so I first attended FBC back in 2005, um, and now I'm at a little church in Augusta, West Virginia, uh, Zor Baptist Church, and I'm the pastor there. So I just switched jobs. So I used to be a commercial lender and mortgage lender at the Bank of Romney. And I just switched to Edward Jones as a financial advisor. So that's my role. I do have two little girls. One's two and a half, the other's eight months. And we do have one something on the way. Oh. So <laughs> we're gonna have three, three and under, so pray for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I had sent these these guys some questions earlier on, so these aren't brand new to them. So, so hopefully we can get some decent conversation. And like I said, if you want to email me, uh, you know, use your your device there to to email me a question. Scott S at fbcva.org. So the first question I have for you is: Do you have unbelieving folks around you that would call you their friend? And how did you get to know them? And a little story behind that. I'll jump on that one. All right. Uh, you know, 
I sat down and looked at the question and started just writing names. And many, many of them popped to, popped to mind that, that came up that, that are unbelievers. And came to know him from a childhood friend. I've known this guy since I was in kindergarten. Still friends today. Uh, approached the topic of, of faith and so forth, salvation. And this person's just not ready to hear it. But still is my best friend. Would call me his best friend. We, we talk. We used to talk probably every week. It's minimal now that uh, we're both so busy, but uh, we get together occasionally and uh, have a heart for him to come to know the Lord. But definitely he would call me his best friend. I can tell you that. He was my best man in the wedding. Mm. Uh, got married Catholic, but uh, he was the best man there. So, uh, and it just, uh, you know, I don't feel like I haven't accomplished anything by not bringing him salvation because I know it takes seven people. I might only be the first. So uh, just, just come alongside of him and be his friend. And he's going through a lot with children. So I'm there for him for, him, for those things. Uh, and there's many more, absolutely. And it's not that, you know, it's a feather in their cap that you've got an unbelieving friend uh, because I'd like to say they're all believers. Uh, that's what I want. But uh, it's just good to know that they, they don't disown me just because I do live a different lifestyle. My life does look different than theirs, and hopefully it's a magnet to them. They see that different life. Anybody else? We don't have to just go down the row every time. No, know. that's good. Yeah, I was waiting. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I do, and I probably would not if, or have very many unbelieving friends if I wasn't out in the workforce and involved in community um, programs like the Ruiton and Chamber of Commerce and things like that. If it wasn't for those things, I probably wouldn't. I'm a little bit of an introvert, so I, if it wasn't for work, I'd probably end up just going home more often. Um, but because of the desire to share the gospel, um, make my community a better place, that's why I have those friendships, and that's why I've been able to develop them. I have... Uh quite a few friends um, and uh, who are non-believers, and I've never really went into a friendship with the idea that um, I want to share the gospel with them. I, I, I went into it because they were my friends, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, I've never really felt like um, I was called to convert people just to be a disciple, and, and that means integrity usually comes before credibility, and there's no other relationship besides friendship and marriage where integrity plays such a huge role. Uh, some people I've met who actually became my friends uh, through different circumstances and uh, that were kind of beyond my control, but, um, you know, we just kind of eased into friendship. And some of them, you know, who knows, uh, you know, it was interesting, I was reading what Scott put on, uh, I forget what, what you called it, about the styles of evangelism. Um, uh, Oscar Wilde once said, uh, you know, be yourself, everybody else is taken. And, uh, and so you, I just tried to be myself with, with these people, and they're very dear friends. Some of my best friends are non-believers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to piggyback on that. It's exactly like I don't reach out to friends just so I can share the gospel with them. I mean, I want to be everybody's friend. I mean, it's, you know, and if they ask me, like, I do have people that say, you know, you're different. And I do think it's because of my relationship with Christ. And they see that in me. And I like to, you know, when they ask, 
I'll share. So it kind of leads us into our next question of, of what, what faith conversations have you had with coworkers or clients that, that, that have stood out that, that you went, whoo, wow, that, I didn't see that coming. Well, I, I specifically took, um, I, sometimes I pray that God would just show me one person to just pray for and, you know, I have taken out a realtor in my office who I know is not a believer and just point blank talk to him about, you know, Christ and what he believed. And he told me he believed in God. And, you know, I asked him if he believed in Jesus and stuff. And we just had the talk. And he said he wasn't ready to be there yet, which was okay with me. Like I was just there planting a seed. And, um, but he does, he does know I'm a believer. And when he has prayer requests and stuff, he comes to me and he asks me to pray for him or his family. So I do that. Well, I had uh, one that sticks out with me was uh, it's a coworker, but he had a neighbor. And, um, carpool with this individual for a while, so I got to know him rather well. Then he transferred and uh, just knew him from being a neighbor and visiting occasionally. But uh, one day I was mowing the grass and look up my driveway, and here comes this guy with this machete, all sweaty, and I'm like, uh oh, what's going on? And here, lo and behold, it's it's my neighbor. Um, he had just gotten, some, yeah, just gotten some bad news that, uh, that his, he, he was an officer in Fairfax. Um, his partner had committed suicide. Um, and really just, just the way he, he approached me and the things he said really just, just humbled me because I realized how self-righteous I was as a new believer and as a non-believer because he came up and as we talked, puts me in tears. He's like, you know, he says, you're, you're different. Here's something about you. I don't mind talking to you now. He says, I can talk to you about this. He says, where's that person? What's going on? Why, why is this even happening? Um, is he, is, is he a believer? I would I'd venture to say no. Um, cause I did ask him if he's accepted Christ and so forth. Um, uh, but, uh, he just, he's not ready for that. He even told me, he says, I, I know about that, but I don't want to hear that. I'm just struggling with this issue. Um, just really just intense, and just thank God that he used me for that. Any situation that I'm in, and I know everybody up here feels the same, it's just the Lord using us. It's not our efforts. Um, it's him using us and putting us in these situations that, uh, that hopefully he'll give us the words, and I know he will. In that situation, we went up to the porch, sat down, cracked a beer, um, just because, you know, I'm a believer. I, if I sit down and act as if I can't touch something, some people take that as an insult sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, indulgence is, we all know, that's where we don't go or if we have a problem with that and knowing that he did not. So, uh, so it was just a real neat experience, and the Lord used that, and it just puts him on my heart now that uh, I need to take a road trip and visit him, see how he's doing. So. I had an interesting experience one time, and I work in a very s small base. Everybody knows everybody, and and you develop a certain reputation. So most generally, people know who all the believers are. Uh, but I was fine with this guy, uh, big guy, fighter pilot, F-16 guy, big personality. And, uh, you know, and I, I always enjoy, you know, talking about family and talking about, you know, just getting to know people. And uh, so we were talking about our kids, and he had a six- or seven-year-old daughter. And... Uh, so uh, 
he was telling me a story about his daughter. He, uh, she, she went over to a friend's house and um, uh, was invited over there to play. And then her, her, uh, her friend's mom made some cookies. We're going to have some cookies and, you know, kind of nice little girl afternoon, I guess, playing and have cookies and stuff. So she went over there and, and uh, she ended up coming back in tears because evidently this little girl wanted her to play, uh, wanted her to play what she wanted to play. And when that girl didn't buy into it, she was mean, told her to leave, no cookies. She was going to eat the cookies. And, and uh, the guy's name was Rick. And I said, wow, what, what, what'd you do, Rick? And he said, well, I, you know, I told her that was wrong. That was wrong for that little girl to, you know, be mean to my daughter. And I said, well, well, why'd you tell her that? I mean, if it made that little girl feel happy, why would you tell her that it's wrong then if she felt good about that? So he, he kind of looked at me, and um, <clears throat> his eyes start welling up with tears, and he said, I've had this dream, and I've had this dream multiple nights. And it's this dream of this, and he's got my attention now, because, uh, you know, he, he, because it bothered him. And nobody's and, flying uh, the plane. Yeah, it's too fun. <laughs> he, he's, uh, you know, he's, he said, I had this dream that my daughter and I, because it was his only child, was being chased by a steamroller. And, uh, and every night, it's the same thing. He, this steamroller is chasing him and his, his daughter. And he's, he's panicked because he doesn't know whether to, take his, to, to throw himself in front of this steamroller to save his daughter. Or if this steamroller is going to, to catch them both. And, and he didn't want his daughter to die alone. And... Uh, uh, you know, and he said, you know, I keep having this, and it bothers me. I wake up, and, you know, I don't know why I'm having this dream. And I said, Rick, I mean, you know me. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, one of those Christians uh, that you hear about on TV, I guess. <laughs> and I said that we believe that God is driving that steamroller. And not only is he driving it, but he will throw himself in front of it for you. Next time you have that dream, you ask God down to throw himself in front of that steamroller and see what happens. I've never interpreted a dream before in my life. <laughs> and, uh, it was one of those unusual things, you know, and I've never, uh, most, most of the most unusual different conversations I've had when it came time to share my faith have been unlooked for. They've just come out of the blue, and it's usually been through questions I've asked. Hmm. Because sometimes, you know, uh, when I was a new believer, I felt like I was trying to answer questions nobody was asking. Hmm. And, uh, and it just struck me that Jesus always tried to understand before he was understood in many of those cases hmm. that, that you mentioned hmm. earlier. Michael, mm -hmm. you have a story? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I think what makes it harder at work, too, just about sharing your faith is um, being a pastor as well. Like on Sunday morning, I can prepare myself on Sunday morning. I'd be like, well, here's what I'm here for. I'm here to share the gospel. This is what I'm doing. At, at work, it's like I'm here to work, and 
you do have to be intentional about, but it always just seems to come in even when you're not expecting it or not ready for that opportunity. And it's like, I have to have my heart ready. I have to have my mind ready every day for the opportunity for someone to walk in here. Because they do. They know who the Christians are in the workplace. They figure that out. Um, they, they know that I'm a pastor. So I've had many times where people just run into my office and ask some very tough questions. And sometimes I didn't have time for them. And it's like, how do I communicate there? But being ready for those questions, and sometimes they just shock you and, and, and ready to answer those. It's not as profound. But <laughs> I remember when I started at the bank, and I was there like two weeks. And um, one of the, and in banking, there's, there's far more females than there are males. So you have to set that boundary right away anyway. Um, but this lady's beside me, and she has a book. And I'm like, hey, what are you reading? And it's Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, no, I didn't say anything. But I'm like, how can I take that back? I don't want to have a conversation about that with her. <laughs> I cannot unsay this. <laughs> this is not where I wanted this to go. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, don't don't let me don't let me look judgmental and put her down or you know that she's reading this book. Let me just be real. Let me be a Christian and think about her interest and. In, put her above myself you know and it was it was a couple years later with having different conversations about um, our spouses and kids and she knew who i was and you know she comes in and she's like i'm starting i'm really trying to start reading the bible and what translation would you recommend because I've downloaded this app, and it's the King James, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> uh, so it's it's those times where it's like, oh, my goodness. I didn't expect this to come, but it's it's been the work of a couple years, and that's what it, it was a couple years later that I had that conversation with her. So two totally different books. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <God were, laughs> and God was working that whole time uh, just in a mysterious way. And it wasn't a direct in your face. You know, that was one that was completely hands off, I felt like. But God was working through, and he does work through just our life. So I talked a little bit about uh, our, our faith stories, that, that this is how I came to know Christ. And um, I know for me, uh, I was as a, a young teen and a, a, a man who who was almost 90 years old, uh, explains the gospel to me. And almost immediately, I, I, I accept it. And, moment, and moments later, I am walking away from it. And I, I would spent years uh, in, in bad relationships, making poor personal choices. Um, and and before, the, before the Lord turned me back around. Um, and I've been able to use that story uh, with other young men who are going through similar situations. Um, so how, how have you been able to use your faith story, your story of coming to Christ uh, with others? How have you been able to kind of weave it into the conversations of, of your, your, uh, your time with folks? Uh, I, it was I'm like, a, who's I'm next? Get, yeah. right. so we could draw straws. I, like yeah. <laughs> I, I studied a little bit. Um, 
Um, my story basically is uh, a failing marriage, and I feel there's so much of that out there. Um, and what happened with us was, unbeknownst to us, FBC families were being placed in our life. Uh, Lord's work, nobody else was, I don't think they'll take credit for it. Um, but uh, they came alongside of us and just modeled a relationship as it should be between husband and wife. And then we sought out what they had, obviously their relationship with Christ, that led them in the proper place for that relationship at home. So I've been able to use that many a times, as, as any of you in this room, and, and, and well, most jobs and public safety also, marriages are just shattered, um, and they continue to go that way. So being able to use that, I can recall one time with one individual, I was like, well, you know, if you, if you start going to church and come to know Christ and so on and so forth, your, your marriage will improve. Well, how's my marriage going to improve? I mean, she won't want to do this or won't want to do that. And if you know me, I'm pretty much open. I mean, I'll talk about anything. I'll throw it out there. I don't mind. So, you know, this guy went on to explain certain explicit things. And I'm like, well, I said, you know, just, it'll work out. He said, just put God first and it'll work out. Now, I don't know if that guy ever took that and ran with it. Um, he did. He would always come to my office. Uh, one of Scott's next questions, I won't ruin it, but that sort, sort of fits here. You can if you want to. All right, it's all right. right. It sort of fits here. There was, uh, my wife searched long and hard for this picture that was posted to me at work. Um, it was a picture, what they would do is take pictures of certain things and then paste your face over top of it. And as you came into our office, there was a picture of what used to be the Pope, but it had my face on it. It would say whether counseling was open or counseling was closed because they got used to people coming down to my office knowing that they would just come in and just throw it all out. Thank God for that because it, just, it was an awesome opportunity to share the Lord and point people to Christ, even though I may not have shared the gospel intimately with them, still pointed them to the some place that would either help them, whether it would be a church or so forth. And that was my opening with a lot of people would be you know, church attendance and whatever type of church it is. It gives you that little bit of a door, it cracks it so you can start talking about faith mm -hmm. and share that. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I grew up Catholic, so I've always known the Lord, but I never really had a personal relationship with Jesus until I was older. It was when I was pregnant with my son, Tyler, that I went to a Baptist revival, it was awesome, and that's really how I came to know Christ personally. And, you know, growing up, I went to college and stuff, and I definitely did not live a Christian life during my college years or my younger years. And my, I come from a divorced home, so there's a lot of different roads of life that I've been able to share with people, and that I still, you know, I just try to always come back to Christ. And it's, it's really hard you know, to grow up in this world that we live in, because it's very cynical, and it's hard to raise children in a, in a world like this, but you just have to keep your focus, and um, I taught youth group here, and I've taught elementary school here, and it's just, if you've never done that, you should really do that. It's really fun, and it, you can use your story, you know, you can use your faith to say, you know, I wasn't always this great of a Christian, <laughs> not that I'm a great Christian, but <laughs> Um, but I wasn't always like a follower like I am now. And I think just, you know, years of Bible study and I've really become just stronger relationship with Jesus. So. You know, thinking about that question uh, just now, I've never 
shared my testimony with people I work with. The only place I've ever done that is in church. Mm -hmm. Usually my conversations with the people I work with are more about the why and not about the when for me. Um, maybe it's because uh, when I was saved, it was as, as a young man and, and things were really great. I mean, the gospel landed feet first, right? My happy thinking story. And uh, so there wasn't really any, any, uh, you know, my life wasn't unraveling or anything like that. So, uh, but most of my conversations I've had has, has really never centered around my testimony at all. Yeah. Well, my, my conversion story is fairly boring. Uh, although the miracle of salvation is not boring whatsoever, but my conversion story is fairly boring because I grew up in church and praise God for that and heard the gospel clearly as a young man and came to Christ. But my journey hasn't been boring. Um, so for me, a lot of it's the journey. It's being authentic with people and it's the journey. It's um, when you've struggled with I had a big struggle with anxiety and depression. And when I'm open about that, when I can share the gospel with people about that and how the truth of Scripture and the sufficiency of Scripture has met that need in my life, then, then that connects with them. When, when I can say, um, you know, my dad passed away when I was 14. And so anybody that comes from a broken home or has lost a parent when they were I can relate in some ways. When when people are frustrated with the church, I can relate. I grew up in a pretty good church, but that church did not practice church discipline, and I praise God that this one does. And I had, um, there was a deacon in the church that was more like in a role of an elder that had an affair with a family member of mine, and the church did nothing. Um, and I didn't like the church um, organization for a good while. I love God. And, and he, he said, you know, I died for the church. You got to love the church. <laughs> it was a growing process, so I, but I can relate to people in that. So when I share those stories with uh, different people in their journey, trying to connect it to their life and what they're going through, um, you know, I'm finding out what it's like to be tired when your kids get up in the middle of the night often. <laughs> and there's a lot of other parents that have young kids that deal with that same thing. And, you know, uh, it, it just is a way to connect and relate to them that um, I figured out kids are like a magnet when it comes to conversation. You know, it's a wonderful thing. If you're holding a baby in your arms, it's like you can talk to anybody and nobody's offended. <laughs> and, and you can have that conversation with them and, you know, you can lead it into a spiritual direction real quick. And, and so it's, for me, it's not been the conversion story uh, as much as the testimony of my walk and the journey with that. Mm -hmm. So, so far, all of these stories have just been fabulous. But life is not always smooth, and there's going to be tensions in, in these relationships. So how have you seen tension build um, in these relationships that you've had either with work-related things or people in your neighborhood or family members. And then what did you do with the tension? Did you just let it go, kind of let it hang out there, or how did it resolve? So tell some stories like that. I've had a couple. Um, I'm in a high-tension 
or I was in a high tension job doing loans and uh, people would come in from my church or different churches that I've worked with and want money. Um, some that I've even led to Christ or some that I've uh, discipled or a couple that I've baptized and was with me, you know, and then I'm like, no, you can't have money. <laughs> so those situations are difficult because you have to communicate the truth with love, uh, which is another question. Um, but those, those situations are full of tension. And there's been a couple others just with me being in a small town and a small community. Um, for one, I was leading and the lead loan officer on doing a loan that is actually in the process of bringing a homosexual campground into my community. Um, my coworkers and the board of directors and everyone knows where I stand. Um, it was just a good opportunity for me to do my job and to work, but also have these conversations. Um, around about the same time, there was another pastor who acted very inappropriate towards a homosexual couple in um, our community that actually leads worship in, in different churches, and he was going to come to the church. And Anyway, it, it spurred out to just a bad tension area um, and lots of conflict, and I had so many people come into my office knowing that I was a pastor and say, with both of these situations going on, what, so what does the Bible say about homosexuality? What's your opinion? You know, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, it's time to speak the truth in love. <laughs> you know, it's time for me to, I, you know, the truth is what it is. The Bible says what it says, and it's true, and it's God's word, and I'm, I'm not going to hold back with that. But I'm going to do it with as much grace as possible. Um, what I've found out as well is I think with unbelievers, they they would always rather listen to a Christian who's real than to a Christian who's always right. Mm -hmm. Or unbelievers would always uh, would rather always listen to a Christian who's real than a Christian who's always trying to be passive and to try to not say hard things. They want authenticity. They they want to know that you're real. So saying those hard things, I think, is important. And, and saying them directly but humbly in love is, with gentleness is very important as well. And that's a hard balance. I, you know, I don't, I don't have it perfectly down myself, but I know it comes up a lot and we need to do it. I know for me, like not specific stories, but just... Some battles of tension, you're just not going to win. It doesn't matter if you're right or they're right. You just Sometimes you just have to back down. Like I know for me, I know I was right in what I was saying, but it was better for me to back up and just pray about it than it was to engage in the tension. So I don't have a specific story for that, but I know before that's what I've had to do, just back up and pray about it. And usually we come to some kind of agreement or we don't. <laughs> but I don't really have a specific story. But. You know, I've never really had any tension over any moral issue with uh, my non-believing friends, even my gay friends. And uh, the only tension I've had 
has always been over the issue of Christianity itself. Uh, I was flying with a guy one time and don't even know how it came up, but uh, it was probably, uh, it was, <laughs> it's probably something I said. I mean, all my wounds are self-inflicted, but, um, <laughs> but he said to me, he goes, he goes, Jim, look, my mom left me and my two brothers when I was 13 years old to go off and follow Tim and or Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, and we did not have a mom growing up because she was pursuing all the, the, the laying into all, laying hold of all the Christian benefits out there that she could. And I got to tell you, we have lifetime membership to that Heritage Foundation down there in South Carolina that we never had a mom. So, you know what? I do have an act to grind. You bet I have an act to grind against Christianity. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I've never been afraid of that. He and I said, look, you never judge anything by its abuse. Whether it's a religion, you never judge anything by its abuse. And you can't judge my faith on the abuse of that faith. Mm -hmm. That every tension I've had in the in the cockpit or, or anywhere has never really been over moral stuff. You know, I mean, I'm I don't know if that's what Paul meant was being all things to all people, but I've never I never judged a pagan for acting like a pagan, you know, or got in into his issues over there, you know. But uh, it's always seems to be over some something to do with the faith and the abuse of it. It's a tough one. Um, just a couple. As you guys got some great examples there, I'm just thinking of little silly things that I would call it. Uh, where, when I would send out emails at work, the bottom I would put a very benign, but yet you could tell it was from a Christian. Uh, at the bottom of my emails, because it just seemed at that point in time in the agency, everybody was putting their own two cents at the end of their emails, and they were typically, you know, whatever. You know, it could be the homosexual agenda, but just covered up. Um, so I said, all right, well, I'll put something out there in Christian and cover it up. As soon as I did that, it wasn't about a week, uh, general email comes out, you will not uh, be putting any more <laughs> private or, or personal opinions will be using honor, courage, whatever. This is the agency <laughs> motto. And uh, and again, um, I just couldn't have caused tension. I could have gone up there stomping because it didn't stop anybody else from doing it. They just targeted me because it was my supervisor that shared that with me. And then something sort of informal came out. Uh, but I just told him, I said, I'd like to see it uh, carry through, through through the entire agency rather than just being imposed on me. And just left it at that. Didn't make any more of it. Said, I think you can make a mountain out of a molehill and then people just look at you and saying, well, he just stomped off angry. Or, yeah, look at him. Oh, He's wow. a Christian. So, yeah, but, and I always make sure that I'm like, yeah, don't look at me as the example. Because uh, if you do, you're going to find a lot of failures. So. Any other questions you might have for each other as you're thinking through that, hearing stories? <laughs> yeah, the whole homosexual thing. 
That's prominent in today's world, and I heard you mention it too in, in the cockpit with other believers or with coworkers or such. Um, just uh, how do you interact with that if it becomes somebody that you have to interact intimately with as far as maybe could be a family member or a coworker that you're working with all the time or so forth? Um, I know you might say just treat them like a regular person, but if you were to try to befriend and maybe come alongside of, how would you crack that uh, potentially maybe gospel message or just letting them know your faith or something? I mean, uh, any input, advice? You know. Well, like I said, with um, kind of being that pastoral role and uh, communicating and writing newspaper articles, people kind of know where I stand already. So that is there. So more it's with me, how can I interact with them without offending them? How can I interact with them without treating them like they're offending me? I think that's the biggest thing. We 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 sometimes will interact with sinners like you're offending me by sinning, even though you know we we all are inclined to sin for one. And without the gospel and the Holy Spirit working with us, we're we're just full one sin. So we we shouldn't get offended by sinners sinning. I think that's the biggest thing that is a turnoff to unbelievers. That we have to be like, you know, it's okay that that you're sinning. If you don't have the gospel, you don't have the Holy Spirit working in you, you don't believe the Bible, I understand. You're doing what feels right. And it makes perfectly sense to me. So leveling that out, and then we can have some honest conversations. But again, just being authentic. I know who you are. You know who I am. Let's be real and, you know, create a friendship. It's hard um, because uh, being a Christian, I mean, you have a certain mountain to climb in that regard because a lot of them have been maybe inappropriately offended or, you know, or whatever. But, you know, the, 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 the guys I know and the, and the gals who, who are gay, I always remember or try to remember that, that um, a lot of times they come from a story place that has been very hurtful. And uh, I remember somebody telling me one time, and it is a culture, that you can't really understand the culture till you understand the pain of the culture. And, and, you know, just as a believer, you try to, you know, you just try to befriend them and move in. And, and some of them are really easy to be friends with, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, uh, in fact, I've taken my wife and girls down to Charlottesville to see a, a friend of mine and a very good friend, but there's always a lot of pain there. And as a, as a Christian, you know, you, you just try to be a friend, mm -hmm. you know, you, I know we say it all the time in church about, you know, you try to be like Jesus and, uh, and you, you look to see what Jesus did and, and he spent a lot of time, uh, with, with them, with people like that, people like us, people that have been, uh, been hurt or, you know, so it's just, I, you know, you, it, but there is a, there is a little, there's a little mountain you got to climb 
you know, particularly if they know you're a Christian, because they're just like we have our presuppositions about a culture, they have their own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to break through that. Mm -hmm. The questions are absolutely rolling in my email amazingly. it's just on fire. I have zero. I mean, that's, I appreciate you all thinking my questions were so good um, that you didn't need to ask any of your own. Uh, but we are about out of time, uh, and I'm going to pray for us and, and, and let you guys go. Father, we want to thank you again uh, for the opportunity to be and to share the gospel through friendships and Uh, through relationships, either through work or through our community, or just because uh, we happen to live right next door or across the street from somebody uh, who doesn't know who you are. So I pray for for each of us, not not just each of us in this room, Father, but each of us in this this body of believers of FBC, that that you would give each of us... um, a list of people that we can start to to pray for, a list of people that that we can start to care for, a list of people that we can uh, share uh, the good news, uh, because today is a day of good news, and we thank you for that good news, and we praise you for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And many of you uh, will be attending. Uh, tomorrow and Saturday, you're on the back of your workbook is the schedule for that. So feel free to, uh, to, to make notes and make sure you get there on time. Well, have a good evening.